Good morning, King Street. What a privilege it is to be with you on this very, very special day. And I say good morning, and I'll say it in Hebrew, Boker Tov, uh, which is not broker, broke your toe, but Boker Tov. And Yom Shana Sameach, happy anniversary. For me, I'm celebrating my jubilee. It's been about 50 years or so since I lived in Oshawa and was part of this great congregation. When my dad was the pastor in the late 60s and the early 70s, my wife and I are together here today and we're celebrating almost our 45th anniversary. And what a privilege it's been for us to serve together in Israel since 1983. Uh, thank you, Pastor Dave and your team for inviting us here on this great occasion. You've been so hospitable and uh, generous to us. It's been a huge privilege for us to uh, be sent by you. You have blessed us in so many ways, praying for us and giving financially to allow us to continue our work in the Holy Land. But enough about us. We're here to celebrate you uh, and celebrate what God has done and will continue to do through King Street Community Church. I've been reminiscing about my nearly seven years when Oshawa was my home. I remember being the smallest player on the McLaughlin Collegiate football team. I was small, but I was nasty. I tackled everybody at the knees. And speaking of knees, I crushed my cartilage in my knees as I was just a few yards away from getting a touchdown. And uh, I ended up on crutches for many weeks. And speaking of McLaughlin, the great Hall of Famer, Bobby Orr was just a few years ahead of me at that high school. He was playing for the Oshawa Generals. And then he went on to the NHL after a year or so, and he scored the overtime goal in the game four of the Stanley Cup Finals, giving Boston Bruins their first championship since 1941. And Bobby Orr then signed a, the first million-dollar contract in NHL history. $200,000 a year for five years. And there were other things I recall back in those early years in Oshawa. The Beatles broke up. Neil Armstrong becomes the first person to walk on the moon. And then there was the Woodstock Music Festival. Speaking of music, back in those days here at King Street, we formed a band called Simple Faith. It was Barb and Brenda Krause, Steve Nicole, David Andrews, and our drummer, Steve Mercer, whom we imported from Trinity Pentecostal Church down the road. And I was on acoustic guitar. And we would travel and uh, lead people in worship and proclaim the gospel together. I could go on and on about my days here in Oshawa, but I'll share with you something from the Word of God. I think it's very relevant for this day that we celebrate. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 or scroll in your devices. Aren't you glad that scrolls are back in style again? If you're having a hard time finding Genesis, just a little hint. The first verse of the book goes like this, in the beginning. Well, we're going to read now from chapter 12 of Genesis. Now the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 
Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west side and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now, I believe the Lord led me to this passage of scripture for this 75th celebration. Celebration of God's faithfulness and what he has accomplished through King Street. And right in the middle of our text, as you heard me read, it says, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And on this day, this Sunday that we celebrate 75 years, Perhaps it's not an accident that this very Sunday, the Jewish people around the world begin to read this very passage we've just read in their cycle of readings through the Torah. This coming Sabbath, religious Jews will read several chapters beginning at Genesis 12 until chapter 17, verse 27. I think I should entitle this message, Go, because the first words that God gave to to Abraham to go to the land of Israel is lech lecha. That's the Hebrew phrase that means go out. And in the passage we read, go out from your country. Lech lecha, mi'artzecha, go from your country. And that suggests a fitting title for this message this morning. Go, go. God told Abraham to go from his temporary dwelling in Haran to a land that I will show you. The Lord said. Now, Abram had already been told a few verses earlier to go out from the city of Ur of the Chaldees, to leave that pagan world and go to the land of Canaan, the land of promise. And Abraham obeyed. But on the way, he got delayed. He and his family settled down in Haran, a city located in present day Turkey. But now, here in our text, God tells Abram to resume his journey. Haran is not your home. It's not your destination. Get going to the promised land. Now, it's easy for you and I to get a little too settled in this world. But God wants us to be ready to get up and go on a new adventure, a new journey. It's right to stop for a moment like this and look back at these wonderful 75 years of God's work here at King Street. Today is the day to look back, but it's also the day to look forward. Well, Abraham obeyed God's command. He left with his immediate and extended family and those who had also come with him to the land of Canaan. Now, what did he do when he arrived in Canaan? Verse 7 of our text says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Now, there's no indication that Abram offered a sacrifice with fire on that altar. And most commentators believe that Abram built the altar as an act of gratitude to God and for his faithfulness. 
One preacher and scholar talked about such altars that we see in several places in the scriptures. And he says, all memorials of this kind have their outlook toward the past and towards the future. They serve a double purpose. They keep alive precious memories and awaken buoyant hopes. They excite gratitude and strengthen faith. We do well to set up such marks in the pilgrimage of our life. Well, this anniversary Sunday, spiritually speaking, we are building an altar, a marker on God's calendar that sets in stone an expression of gratitude for God's faithfulness and leading us on this journey together as a church family. Today, we're saying like Samuel said when he set up a stone called Ebenezer. That name in Hebrew means stone of help. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, and so Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. I think we can say that this morning. Thus far, the Lord has helped King Street Community Church to serve God faithfully and have a great impact in this region of Canada and beyond through missions. Now, as we look back over these 75 years, we can truly say, thus far, the Lord has helped us. For the next few minutes, I want to share thoughts about what it means to go. To go from where we are to where we need to be. To get from A to B, to get from here to there, to go from this place and ultimately reach our eternal destination, our eternal promised land. My first point is this. We need to go where we need to go by making a decision to follow our leader, the Lord. I prefer the term Jesus followers rather than Christians when I talk about believers. You know, over 2 billion people label themselves Christians, but how many of them are truly followers of Jesus? A true Christian is one who answers the invitation of Jesus, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In John chapter 10, verse 4, Jesus talked about true believers in this way. The shepherd goes before them and the sheep follow him. Now, it's possible to regularly come to church every Sunday and yet never RSVP to Jesus' invitation and to go and follow him. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a parking garage makes you an automobile. To begin our journey with God is to do what Abraham did. He answered God's call to go, to go from Haran and head toward Canaan, the promised land. Now, I trust that before the end of this service, if you've never answered the Lord's call to go and follow him, that you will do so. I think of those early disciples like Peter and John. When they were invited to go and follow Jesus, it says they immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus is calling us to go with him. Don't ponder it any longer. If you've not said yes to his invitation, say yes immediately before it's too late. Here's my second point. We need to go with God together. In point number one, I talked about our journey by making the decision right off the bat to go. Now, number two, we need to go with God together. You know, there are a lot of believers who have said yes to Jesus' invitation to go, but they've chosen to go alone. They are convinced that they have their own personal relationship with Jesus, but they stick to themselves. 
Well, that was never meant to be. Back in our text in verses four and five, it says, then Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. Abraham didn't go alone. He brought not only his immediate family, but his extended family and all those others that they had gathered together. You know, following Jesus demands an individual decision to join him, but to join him also to others who have also chosen to follow him. You know, I could give you a long list of scriptures to show this. I'll just share a few with you. Mark 6, 7, and Jesus called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two. Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Acts chapter two, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Take note of what it said there in verse 24. It uses the phrase, one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. One another means following Jesus is not just an individual matter, but it means we follow Jesus together as his spiritual family. And that term one another appears almost 100 times in the scriptures. Here are just a few examples. Love one another, John 13, 34. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12.10. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12.10. I should say Romans 12.16. Build up one another, Romans 14, verse 19. Be like-minded towards one another, Romans 15.5. Accept one another, Romans 15.7. Admonish one another, Romans 15.14. Care for one another, 1 Corinthians 12.25. Serve one another, Galatians 5.13. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. So we see the importance of going on this spiritual journey with God together. Being together with one another. I'm reminded of something that happened uh, during my dad's leadership here at King Street. It was the time when we built the second sanctuary, the one in the middle of this great complex. Instead of hiring an outside contractor, most of the work was done by members of this church. Bill Reed, a member of the church, was the project manager. On one occasion, Murray Bell, Lloyd Bell's dad, Lee's father-in-law, drove a truck to the construction site. He had a purlin in the back, that is a beam which supports the mid-span of rafters. A crane was lifting up this purlin from the truck. And as it was lifting this purlin, the metal cable of the crane struck the main electrical line along the front of this church. And as soon as it touched the electric, electric cable, there was a fiery explosion. My dad, standing next to the truck, was thrown 20 feet away. 
Thankfully, he had on rubber boots, which was the first time he ever wore rubber boots on this construction project. Others nearby had a worse experience. Murray Bell was thrown from the driver's seat of the truck to the ground, and he was without a pulse for quite a while. But miraculously, after my dad performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, Murray Bell came back to life. Lauren Chapman had been sitting on the back of that truck, and he ended up with permanent burns and scars. Another man was also thought to be dead on the site. You see, he had been holding an extended metal measuring tape, and the electric charge hit him and caused a huge gash in his arm, and he was bleeding to death. Then suddenly, someone out of nowhere, a woman, came. She had a professional tourniquet, and she wrapped this man's arm in it. And as a result, the bleeding stopped, and his life was spared. A few minutes later, everyone looked around to try to find this mysterious lady who had shown up on the scene and saved this man's life. They never found her, even though they put ads in the newspaper. Was it an angel? Well, it could be. God is a miracle-working God, and he has set angels round about us as guardians and helpmates. This incident was a glowing example of what it means to be doing life together. People so committed to this church and its expansion that they gave their time and their gifts and their talents voluntarily for the sake of a greater cause, not just to receive, but to give. In my more than 40 years of full-time ministry experience, most of the people I know who began to follow Jesus and then cut themselves from the rest of the body ended up falling away. We need each other to go together on this journey, especially in these challenging days in 2021. If we try to go alone, we will be easy prey to the devil who is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, number one, each of us needs to start our journey by making an individual decision to go and follow the Lord. Secondly, to go and to keep on going, we need to follow our shepherd together, together. Now, number three, in our going with God and with one another, we are going on mission. It's not just about gathering together. It's also about scattering (laughs) We have a mission to go into the harvest field, which is white and ready. It's ripe for harvest. So we are to go scattering the seed of the gospel and trusting God to bring about a great harvest. My dad was often reminding us that we're on a mission. And he reminded himself many times, whenever his full name was spoken, he was reminded of mission. His mother named him Hudson Taylor Hilsden. He was named after the great missionary who went to China and is, who is perhaps one of the greatest models of bringing the gospel cross-culturally. He laid down his life for the people of China. He spoke their language. He wore their clothes. He wore their shoes. He identified with the Chinese in every way. Just like Jesus came and identified with us, taking on our flesh, walking in our shoes, speaking in a language that the people he came to save could understand. You know, there are some believers that I know see the church as the place to receive. And yes, we should receive when we gather together, but it's also a place where we give. So people who love the kingdom of God and they love the local expression of the kingdom, the microcosm of the kingdom in the local church, they don't see it as a bless me club. 
but it's a place to be a blessing. They see their church as the place that they can give. Back in verses 1 to 3 of Genesis 12, we read, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God didn't call Abram because he wanted to bless him just for his own sake, but he called Abram saying, and you shall be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is a missionary. (laughs) Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, for the son of man has come to save that which was lost. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to save the lost alone. He commissioned us to join him in this mission. Some of his famous last words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven are in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He also told them to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father came, the Holy Spirit, to baptize them, to enable them to have the the power and the equipment to bring the gospel to the world. The most important reason why God raised up King Street Community Church is for this cause. It's to bless, to be blessed in order to be a blessing. And the greatest blessing we can be is to bless the people of Durham region by telling them the good news. The greatest blessing is to send out people even beyond this region to all the regions of the world, bringing the one message that can bring transformation, the fruit of the Spirit, including love, joy, and peace that everyone longs for, to tell people that Jesus loves them, And he has proved his love by dying on the cross for them, taking their place, taking their sin upon himself so that they wouldn't have to pay for their sins and offering each one a blessed life here and now and in his eternal promised land. The gospel is the fulfillment of God's call to Abram to go on mission. In the words of Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says, Christ has redeemed us. Why? that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles or the nations in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So each of us needs to begin our journey by making an individual decision to follow the Lord, to go with God. Number two, we need to go and keep on going by doing this together following the shepherd together. We're part of a fold. (laughs) And then number three, in our going with God and with one another, we need to go on mission. And finally, we are called to go for the sake of the next generation. This is what we read in our text in Genesis chapter 12, verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. To your descendants. It's not an accident that God is called the God of Abraham the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The blessing of salvation is to be multi-generational. 
We are called to raise up the next generation to join us in this mission to make disciples of all people. One thing I remember about my time here in Oshawa is that it was when God was moving in a fresh new way. Revival was breaking out on the beaches of Southern California. And then it was spreading across North America. It came into Canada and even beyond. We now call it the Jesus movement. And they were Jesus people. And during those years, Ralph Mills, who made his commitment to follow Jesus here at King Street, joined me to go on a mission. We, uh, we went hitchhiking across North America from Oshawa. We stood at the road, Taunton Road, with our thumbs out, and we went wherever the Spirit took us. We ended up in Calgary, Alberta. We had gospel tracks in our backpacks. We spent six weeks on the road. And uh, at Calgary, a busload of Jesus people from Davis, California arrived and they began to witness on the streets of that city. And it was a powerful move of God. Hundreds of hippies got saved and baptized in downtown Calgary. And we got to be part of that revival. After traveling with those Jesus people to Edmonton, they then invited us to come back to California with them. Now it was time to get back to Oshawa, back to school. But one thing happened. We ran out of money. While in San Francisco, uh, we contacted our parents. Ralph got $50 sent to him, and I got about $40 sent from my parents. And somehow we made it back home to Oshawa. Many churches in those days didn't know how to deal with these young people who were coming to faith. Many of them were, had been living a very licentious lifestyle and on drugs, and their hair was long and tangled, and their jeans were torn, and kind of like today. <laughs> Some churches doubted whether these young people were re- that were showing up had a true born-again experience. They had confessed Jesus, but that didn't always translate into wearing three-piece suits and neat and tidy dresses. And then there was the music. Back in those days, churches used pianos and organs and sometimes string instruments or brass instruments, but a full set of drums, no way, Jose. And then the, they didn't have the electric guitars and the amplifiers and heavy bass. I have to admit that I was one of those people. I had the long hair and the loud rock and roll, but I loved Jesus. And I thank my parents today that they didn't force me into a mold. They let me express my faith in a new way, no matter what it looked like or sounded like. And I'm grateful to the people of this church at King Street that they didn't push me out and onto the street and they didn't push me into a mold but they welcomed me and as I think about it I'm here speaking at this 75th anniversary I have great memories of this church and God did great things then and my life was impacted in a powerful way it was during that season that the Lord called me to full-time ministry same for my brother Rick and his wife Judy was baptized in the Holy Spirit in this church in the first little building down the way. But let us not forget that every new generation that arises express themselves in ways often very different from ours. It's not uncommon for young people to feel unwelcome in a church, but I thank the Lord that there are many young people in this church that I see. And they have come because even though they come as they are, they know they are welcomed with loving arms. We read, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. To your descendants, I give this land. We're on a great mission. We need to do it together. Can't do it at all unless we have said yes to follow Jesus. If you don't know the Lord today, this is your opportunity to say, yes, I'm coming, Lord. 
I'm going to follow you and I'm going to go on mission with you to make disciples. And I believe that this church is going to see even greater things than ever has been accomplished to this date. What a great future. God bless you and happy anniversary.